Don't you see? He's got us now. Okay, this is exactly what he wants. We can't go to the police. Not now. He's made sure of that. He's just out there, and he's watching us and waiting. What are you waiting for, huh? You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary. Season 2, episode number 12. And this episode's called, guess what? What? I know what you did last summer. Ah, I wanted to go with Hall You. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> but yeah, the answer to that question, for me, probably no much. <laughs> Read two books, drank loads of cold brew, the <laughs> huge. <laughs> so this film came out in 1997. And it is a horror slasher kind of mystery movie directed by Jim Gillespie. And yeah, this might be the first film we've covered by a Scottish director. I'm like just casting my mind back okay, beyond no... last summer to, the, to the, <laughs> the, the, the full spectrum of episodes. No guarantees, but potentially. Yeah. Cool. Who's in it? So this film stars the ultimate lineup of 90s dreamboats. It's got Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Philippe, Freddie Prince Jr. and even a little role from Johnny Galecki. I always forget that Johnny Galecki's in this. I know, right? It's crazy. Um, but he is in like, it. Nothing he done before the Big Bang Theory resonates in my memory at all. <laughs> like, See, I remember him from Roseanne. It's also a screenplay was written by Kevin Williamson who wrote Scream and The Faculty. Um, and Dawson's Creek. <laughs> no, no, Scream and the Faculty. I said what I said. <laughs> That's all you're willing to acknowledge. <laughs> and this one, like, I read that he wrote before Scream, but he couldn't sell it because nobody was particularly interested. He wasn't well known at that point. Mm -hmm. But as soon as Scream hit the big time, this was bought and made. And so did he. He hit the big time too. Ah, you're downhill after that with Dawson's Creek, eh? So How dare you? You wanted to a spoiler alert and then we'll get into the plot of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, so as always guys, we are going to be talking about this film in quite a lot of detail. We're going to be revealing the plot, we're going to be revealing the ending and we're going to be revealing all the little twists and turns along the way. So if you haven't seen 1997's I Know What You Did Last Summer... Be sure to add it to your 90s horror box set list um, and give it a watch. Um, if you're happy to hear us chat about it regardless or if you have seen this movie, that's awesome. Grab some snacks, settle on in and we'll get started. What's your snack? For I know what you did last summer, I feel like it has to be something fish based because it's set in like a <laughs> coastal town and there are fish everywhere some in this film. Some scampi fries. Scampi fries. It's <laughs> <laughs> a blast from the past. I remember like <laughs> how much you used to love scampi fries. Used to get them from the ice cream van. Mm -hmm. And frazzles. Ah, the best. Top tier crisps, Hall of Famers. Now you're talking. Anyway, our movie opens on the 4th of July when a group of four friends in a coastal town are celebrating what they call, and I wrote this quote down when we rewatched it recently, their last summer of immature adolescent decadence. How is that for a quote? I think it's, a, it's splendid. Imagine knowing it was that as well. <laughs> so a lot riding on this. I, I've never been so self-aware that I could say that that was um, the way to describe my next summer. <laughs> so after a pageant and some partying, they head down to the beach to drink, tell ghost stories and urban legends. They start talking about a serial killer with a hook for a hand. Can we just hit pause on this and talk about the, the name of the beach? Dawson's Beach? Yeah. This is hopefully the last link to Dawson's Creek. 
It's so funny. Um, <laughs> so the film opens with a great cover, pretty random though, of Summer Breeze by Typo Negative. <laughs> it's not a song I ever expected to hear Peter Steele sing, but it's pretty good. It's very sinister. <laughs> So you've got that kind of like recognisable happy pop song but you've given it that wee goth twist and that kind of sums up a lot of what's to come. Definitely. So they've messed around on the beach for a while, scared each other with urban legends and they decide to drive home but they hit someone. Oh no! (laughs) After they realise or at least they think that he's dead, they panic Freaking out, they decide to get rid of the body. I feel like this happens really, really quickly. Like, a lot of decisions are made in really quick succession. Aye, it does happen quite quickly. Like, I like that initial scene you were talking about where they're talking about, like, the wee urban legends Mm -hmm. and stuff like that on the beach and they're arguing about the specific details for it. I quite enjoy that. So it's all pretty much the girlfriend whose boyfriend gets killed type thing and sometimes it's Mm -hmm. a guy with a hook and sometimes the hook's on the car door when they get home and sometimes it's like scratches mm. in the boot or whatever like mm. but I quite like that wee detail and the bit that always strikes me about this opening sort of sequence is they're all pretty easily convinced to go along with the plot to cover up the fact they ran someone over and it always kind of strikes me that in this setting you would think that four fairly well-off kids like they are would more or less get away with this sort of thing like see Mm -hmm. if they just phoned in and said total accident guy was in the middle of the road sorry that any repercussions really happen to them and by the way we've probably got enough money or our parents have got enough money to buy us out of this exactly that's what i mean but it's sort of like we shouldn't tell anybody about this we should dump his body and then just go about our business people are like i don't know and then two seconds later they're all like yeah let's do it let's get out of here circumstances known to God speak about this again is that clear it's not merely a future therapy bill agreed yeah so the gang feel like they've literally gotten away with murder or have they they make a pact not to tell anyone ever and then the film cuts to one year later and Julie who's played by Jennifer Love Hewitt returns to her family home for the summer and she receives an anonymous letter they really don't do a good job of confirming that the guy that they hit is actually dead. No. They sort of just look at him and go, ah, he's dead. Like, forget it. Yeah. But he's not. And then they dump him in the water and they don't even wait, like, 30 seconds just to check he didn't just swim back to shore. They They just get get in the car. They just throw him in. They have a wee argument. They fired him in the water. They're like, ah, cool, whatever, let's go. Easy as that. I feel like you wait to see if there's like bubbles or movement or... But yeah. Nah, nah, away they go. The problem is a year later they've been living with, I guess, the anxiety that comes from not really checking for a year. Julie's back home and she looks horrendous. Yeah, she's gone full like the crow. She's got like the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the long stringy dark hair. She does a great job, I think, Jennifer Love Hewitt, in this of that like kind of pained teenager. Mm-hmm. She really, like, she totally nails that. Her mum thinks she's on drugs Life hasn't turned out as planned for any of the four of them, though. Helen, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, she's, like, already, within the course of a year, like, a failed beauty queen actress. Mm -hmm. And she's back home working on a perfume counter. Yeah. Ryan Philippe, I'm not very sure what his, sort of, what his mission is. or Just anger. Yeah, he just... (laughs) He's just raging. Ryan Philippe does a great job pretending to be James Dean in this film, just skulking around in a vest and dog tags looking surly and shouting at people basically acting like 
a 40-year-old man, but he's only meant to be about 17 or something. It's, it's a really strange performance from him. The film I always relate him with is Cruel Intentions, and he's mm. quite sort of suave and cool in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I've not watched it in a long time, but in my head, that's what he's like in that film. And this, he's just a nutcase. He's just running about <laughs> mental all the time. <laughs> he's pretty much out Stella in the streets. It's not, it's not a good <laughs> James Dean. It's really bad. Yeah, it's like he's watched tapes of James Dean, Marlon Brando, just anyone that's kind of angry and rebellious for no reason, <laughs> just rolled up anyone. I feel like, though, we'll probably come on to this a wee bit more later, but nobody comes out of this with Oscar nominations, that's, that's for sure. It's a pretty rough performance all round (laughs) yeah so let's get back to this letter this anonymous letter that julie gets not really what you want if you're like wound up already like back at your mum's house and she's already like grilling you for maybe being on drugs so the letter just says i know what you did last summer yeah and no one seems to know who wrote this letter one by one people just start getting picked off by this mysterious figure with a giant hook so the first person that we kind of suspect of it potentially being is Max, who was played by Johnny Galecki. Mm-hmm. He's set up initially, I guess, as a potential killer. He saw them the night that they hit the guy. He drove past, maybe like as they were just covering it up. Mm-hmm. And he's got a thing for Julie, but he's taken out fairly quickly. And then yeah. that's the first time we actually see the killer. So we think initially that Max ticks a lot of the boxes. He works with fish. He seems to have... Fish. He works with fish. He's got access to hooks. I don't know. Is he a fisherman, a fishmonger? I don't know. He works with fish. Okay, fair enough. Fish artist. <laughs> a fish artist. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so he's got access to hooks and he's got... The killer in this wears like a fisherman's outfit. Yep. So he's got access to that too. So we think, well, could well be him. He was there at the time, but... He gets taken out by the real killer, yeah. so we know it's not him. Mm-hmm. They want to get to the bottom of who the killer is, but they do start even kind of suspecting each other. And as the viewer, you're kind of on that journey with them because <laughs> this isn't intended as a fish pun, but there's like a lot of red herrings in it. Oh dear. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> Aye. Any one of them could be a fisherman's friend. Mm-hmm. Eh? It's just all about <laughs> fishing. <laughs> Oh, this has gone downhill fast. Right, bring it back, bring it back. Yeah. So the girls trace the identity of the guy that they killed and they find out that he's survived by two relatives. Mm-hmm. They make a really bad decision and decide to pay them a visit. To this Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque house. It really is, In it? the middle of the woods. It's bizarre. With animal hides like strung up outside it and i don't know an but outhouse it's just and Hesh who lives there herself yeah it's so the house is clearly maintained by the devil's rejects but mm-hmm. apparently just one single woman lives there uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> so the killer does different things to the four main characters just to let them know that he's watching them so i've got a question for you if you were the killer nowadays right how would you choose to get in touch with them Bearing in mind in the movie, we see letters, we see a Polaroid with a note scribbled on it, we see lipstick writing on a mirror, and we also see writing in the shower steam as well. Ah, I quite like the writing in the shower steam. It's I feel a cl- like it is a classic. Plus, that's a long game, isn't it? I do enjoy a bit of that in a hotel bathroom, just for like the next person who comes in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like I like the long game. I don't feel like you would text or tweet or social media or anything like that. That would be out the window for me. I'm a classic kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be shower, letter, and then just sort of general lurking in the background. 
Just, nice. Just, just, no. <laughs> a personal touch. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I take my work seriously. So not to I wouldn't cross the line into stalking or anything, but just enough so that you're a wee bit on edge. A wee bit of that Michael Myers behind the bushes type thing. Okay. <laughs> what about you? I don't know. I can't envision you in this role anyway. No, so. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think I would um ought to know what would be good. See the the love hearts candy that you can mm. get words written on. But maybe like just like nice things like, you know, I know what you did last summer. You had a really good time. I'm happy for you. Here you go. I know you hit that guy. We all forgive you. No worries. <laughs> Enjoy your time at college. I feel like that's a lot of effort though. I mean, I'm just scribbling something in the shower and if it comes off, great. If it doesn't, whatever, you're going to have to get in touch with whoever produces love hearts <laughs> to get them made and then somehow deliver them to the person. And have them eat them in the right order for them to make sense. Yeah, but maybe I've got a, I've got a team of people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll outsource that to someone I else. I have employed a bunch. <laughs> so Team Hook Candle to carry that out for me. Oh, man. <laughs> we mentioned the Polaroid, which makes its way to Ryan Philippe while he is working out at the most quaint little gym on the dock that I've ever seen. I mean, I know this little coastal town's not going to have a pure gym or anything in it, but that, that gym is, is something else. Ryan Philippe needs somewhere to take out his anger. He's got a lot. Yeah, but he clearly hasn't taken it all out in this gym because he's just angry. Maybe he the- knocked the last gym down and that's why he's training <laughs> in this wee one now. Fair enough. So Ray, who's played by Freddie Prince Jr., is the next decent suspect that we get. So mm-hmm. he, him and um, Ryan Felipe's character don't really get on in the film. Like, they're kind of four pals, but no, really. It's more mm-hmm. like two couples. And I think the two girls are friends and the guys are just sort of pitted together because yeah. they don't really get on. And uh, Ray's the next person that we think might be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. The problem is, it's really hard to tell if... He's dodgy or just a dodgy actor. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, guess what Ray's been up to the, the year that they've been apart? Uh, fishing. <laughs> Become a fisherman, of <laughs> I course. Do. They hope to catch the killer, um, and this kind of all starts to run up to the 4th of July again because they believe that he's going to try and kill them all on the anniversary. All they can do is keep their eyes peeled for someone dressed like a fisherman. <laughs> Somehow I feel like this this plan is going to go a bit awry considering the community that they live in. I, so I actually like really like this though. This is one of the things I think the film does quite well and that I like about horror when you can do it is make the killer's costume or something about them kind of location specific. Mm-hmm. I think it's really nice. Yeah. So he wears the fisherman gear in a town absolutely full of fishermen. Mm-hmm. And that gives you that opportunity for a few wee kind of false scares. Mm-hmm. So there's a great scene where there's a beauty pageant going on and they're all going down the main street in the town or whatever on these ridiculous floats. And there's guys in the outfits everywhere. Yeah. And it's probably for me that's one of the best scenes in the film. Mm-hmm just being able to use that location specific trait for the killer then gives you loads of opportunities to to play that out and they do that quite well and it's terrifying because they're thinking here's our chance we're up high on this float we've got a good view of the whole crowd we'll be able to find this guy but the problem is there's about 80 people dressed like that so he could be any of them or none of them he could be somewhere else entirely watching them exactly or he could be one of them (laughs) it's beautiful there are like a lot of really great 
twists and turns in this and what I really enjoy about this film is the fact it does play its cards really close to its chest and it does keep you guessing all the way through. It's definitely not one of those films where you guess the killer in the first 10 minutes. Nah and see when we watched it again recently I've seen this film a few times it's not one of my absolute favourites but I didn't really remember what happens at the end. I knew the basics of it but I couldn't have told you before we watched it how it's all tied up. I don't know if that's a positive thing or if it's because it's kind of confusing. Yeah, I got totally confused like when, when the killer was revealed. But before we get to that, we were talking about the parade scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And just before the parade scene, Sarah Michelle Gellar wakes up and all her hair has been chopped off while she was asleep. <laughs> she seems to take this way worse than Ryan Philippe, who's smashed through a wall with his own car. He appears like mildly disgruntled when this happens to him, whereas Sarah Michelle Gellar has a full meltdown, like when she realised <laughs> she's had a haircut. But it's not all bad. She ends up with a really nice Rachel from Friends-esque haircut. Like Vidal the killer clearly done a good job with that hook. He has done. The hook's his custom haircutting device. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me on to another question. It's better not be about haircuts. It's about haircuts. Ah, okay. Have you ever had a haircut that's turned out better, like Sarah Michelle Gellar's, or worse than expected? Almost always worse. <laughs> Almost always. Almost so always good. worse. It's not an issue for me nowadays, obviously, but back in the day, my two sort of prevailing memories of haircuts were there was a barber's in Cumbernauld where we grew up. And everybody just went in and got the same haircut. So you didn't even ask for anything. You just sat in the chair <laughs> and you, down. you got the cut. And it wasn't great. And it was over in about three seconds. And it was actually kind of painful. But you <laughs> paid your £3 or whatever and got out of there. And that was you. Everybody done it. The other one was we had a woman who came to the house. And it didn't matter what you asked for, what pictures you showed her, anything. You got the same cut and told to put wax in it. So like you could, <laughs> I remember being right into the Mannix at one point and thinking like Richie Mannix got good hair, didn't he? So that's the one to go for. And I got just this like short back and sides and told to put wax in it. And it'll, I'm like, it'll look just like it'll it. look just like it. And I'm going, I, I don't know if it will. <laughs> so yeah, mostly bad. What about you? Yeah, I would say probably like when I had the bright idea to get my hair like really short and that ended up being my passport picture for 10 years. <laughs> that was bad times. <laughs> passport pictures are a sore point, aren't they? I had um, <laughs> Sid Vicious in a windy day for 10 years, but what can you do? Eh? It's, it's committed at that point. <laughs> Something else I really enjoy about this film is there's lots of great close-ups of the 1997 internet being used to look up like newspaper <laughs> records net search net search which is pretty much all you could do with the internet back then even then i think this film shows we we didn't really understand the internet at that point i didn't have the internet until maybe 2001 or something Mm -hmm. like that but in this film it's just sort of as simple as you put somebody's name in and it just gives you everything (laughs) ever about them and for some reason everyone has like endless newspaper cuttings and like a beautifully constructed like wikipedia page that literally (laughs) takes you through every day of their life from birth to death the internet was a great place back in 97 just simple (laughs) took six days to load a picture but it was simpler times (laughs) funny thing i noticed about this film is that jennifer love hewitt never walks anywhere she's always running at absolute top speed She ends up running right onto the actual killer's boat at the, at the end. This is why I never run anywhere. Not even on the treadmill. It's too risky. <laughs> you never know where you'll end up. Just straight into the arms of a killer. So, who is the killer? Who is the killer? No, really. 
I really need to know who the killer is because I've still not got it in my head. Are you sure? You're giving me that that face when we were watching it as if, yeah, cool, I get this. Yeah, that was a bluff, man. That was... <laughs> okay, so when I explain what happened at the end, it's going to be news to you as well. It is. Okay, so during their investigations, the two girls find out that they've actually identified the wrong guy and that sent them on a bit of a wild goose chase. It turns out that the killer is actually a guy called Benjamin Willis, who actually just killed the guy they thought they killed. Got that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As revenge for his daughter's death at the exact same spot a year earlier. Right, so will we break this down a wee bit? Yeah, go for so it. So two years previous, mm-hmm. on July 4th, mm-hmm. the guy who they thought they killed... Mm-hmm was responsible for the death of a man called Benjamin Willis's daughter. Mm-hmm. A year later, that guy goes back to that spot because he's still in mourning and Benjamin Willis kills him. Uh-huh. Just after he kills him, he gets hit by a car. Mm-hmm. The four people in yep. the car are our protagonists in the film. Right. They dump him in the water. He's no deed. He's back. And now he has a revenge plot. Yes. I'm looking at you and you're still... <laughs> <laughs> okay hopefully that's um, clear to everyone else but um, it is a wee bit clumsy in terms of how the story plays out which means mm-hmm. that you do end up with a bit more of a huh reaction than a oh yes I totally knew it was him I sussed this out yeah um, it's not clever writing I don't think it is more of a what is going on here type approach mm-hmm. I like that they keep you guessing all the way through the film but I wish they would just wrap it up a bit cleaner Aye, it's end. a wee bit scooby-doo-esque isn't it? i've mentioned on previous episodes how i like when it's a mystery killer that there are at least hints mm-hmm. towards it all the way through and maybe there are really really subtle ones in this but there's nothing major that makes you think they think they've killed the wrong guy and it's actually somebody else's dad you never get that through Just the film rolls off the tongue Aye, exactly i always like when see when you're watching films like this you can have a wee guess with the person you're watching with you mm-hmm. can be i think it's him i think it's him and then see who's right i don't like when it's then scooby-doo and they take the mask off and it's like some guy who visited the house 12 years previous yeah yeah there's a really clever bit in it where you think for a split second that it's sarah michelle geller's big sister like right. you, th- you think it's her that's came in and cut all her hair off and stuff in the middle of the night oh because she works for her in the perfume shop and they don't really go on do no. they so theoretically with everything wrapped up nicely <laughs> julie goes back to college with a clean conscience uh, and a reconciled relationship with old ray But we get a nice nightmare in Elm Street style ending, don't we? Yeah, but sets us up so nicely for a sequel as well. And we get a bunch of sequels. I still know what you did last summer. I'll I always know what you did last summer. I still, still know what you did last summer. <laughs> <laughs> Do I still know what you did last summer? I kind of forgot what you done last summer, going to remind me. Hold you and wait last summer. That's the best one. That's when they, <laughs> they come to Scotland for the week. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, guys, there are quite a few sequels to this film. So if you enjoy, you know, a good teen slasher, then, you know, there's a whole collection of them to check out. Time for my facto? Yes, please. Let's do it. 
So this movie, I'm not going to keep saying the title because I feel like if we say the title too many times, this episode's going to be 45 minutes long. So. I thought you were going to say, like, if you say it so many times, a man with a hook's going to appear, like <laughs> like Candyman. You'd be knackered after seeing the title <laughs> of this film too many times. He would just take you out without any effort. You couldn't run after that. Right, sorry. Facto. The movie is based on a book of the same title written by Lois Duncan and released in 1973. However, other than the main title and the names of the four characters, the movie threw away the majority of its source material. Duncan's story follows Julie, Ray, Barry and Helen, who accidentally kill a young boy and decide to anonymously phone for an ambulance before disappearing. In the book... <laughs> what? I was going to say, things would have just been a lot easier if like, the four guys in the film had done that. I know, they should have followed the source material. Yeah. It would have been done in ten minutes, eh? Maybe Ryan Felipe, we could get any anger management. <laughs> could all have been wrapped up nice and quick. In the book, all of the characters live. Barry is shot in the stomach but survives and the villain turns out to be a guy Julie has been dating named Bud. Mm-hmm. Now, the plot of the book is a wee bit messy as well in terms of how they tie up the story. Um, so it's not just the film that suffers from this. Okay. In the book, they go for the old switcheroo And the name Bud turns out to be a nickname for Collingsworth. I'm not sure about that one either, but there you go. (laughs) And Collingsworth is the brother of the kid the group killed at the start of the story. Wow. In the big climax ending, Bud gets knocked out with a torch. (laughs) Like a battery-operated torch or like a a, a flame torch? Ye olde, I don't know, I don't know. I I was just thinking a battery-operated and I was thinking, man, that's that's a rubbish ending. She gets dunted with a torch (laughs) in the head. But an Olympic torch, that's better. Maybe we'll go with that. It's more dramatic. Definitely. Bud gets knocked out with a torch before the police turn up and Julie and Ray confess what they did last summer. See, at the end of this film, I think the police ask them if they know anything and they're just like, nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) they've not learned their lesson yet (laughs) Lois Duncan wasn't a fan of the movie and was reportedly appalled that her tale was given the slasher treatment she's like where's all the torches at why did nobody phone the police (laughs) exactly raging so what would you rate I know what you did last summer okay I think that I know what you did last summer is a decent mystery film and it is a fun watch you know especially if you enjoy slasher films it does keep you guessing, and let's face it, it kept me guessing even when the killer was You're revealed. You're still guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to play it cool. You don't know what they did last summer, really, do you? <laughs> I know anecdotally what they did last summer, just don't ask for the granular detail around it. I think it's one of the more well-known 90s teen horrors with a star-studded cast. However, as this was one of many slasher films that was released in this sort of, uh, I would say, five-year period... I have to say there's others that I think are smarter, sharper and more memorable. I think the ending for this one's a bit sloppy. I would give it a 6.5 out of 10. It's decent, but I have others in the genre and era that I prefer. How about you? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I've given it a 7 out of 10. I think they do a decent job of building bits of tension through the movie. The characters always feel pretty on edge and I think that translates well over to the audience too. The backstory isn't bad and I like the kind of urban legend angle Mm -hmm. that gives you a decent villain too. It just feels like there's something missing in this film though. I don't think it's got a great deal of personality and I think that's probably where I have a bit of an issue with it. 
there's a couple of really clever moments like when the killer's been in Helen's room and left her crown Mm -hmm. but the script isn't as clever or funny as something like Scream and the whole thing just feels a wee bit flat I think Mm -hmm. it's a big name cast but the acting isn't great having said that like the premise is solid the soundtrack's good and there's a few decent scares so 7 out of 10 nice so we would love to know from our awesome listeners if you guys have seen I Know What You Did last summer and let us know what you did last summer (laughs) no don't don't yeah hit us up at movie things pod on instagram and twitter and if you're enjoying the podcast then tell your pals yeah definitely and don't forget to hit us up on social media with your favorite fishy puns as well oh dear no don't keep them to yourself so next week we've got a wee bit of a special episode coming up yeah we sure do so in glasgow from the 26th of february to the 8th of march it's actually the glasgow film festival and we are going to be recording a special episode next week that links into one of the special screening events that the festival's having it's going to be a big one yeah special recording location yeah as well it's going to be exciting we're looking forward to it and i have to say the movie that we're going to be talking about that's part of the festival is one of my favorites so a lot to look forward to we'll start dropping some hints and some details over the next few days yep so keep your eyes on twitter and instagram at movie things pod we can't wait to share the details with you closer to the time magic so that's our show for this week thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode